It'll be a big banana. Yeah, that, that's Maybe probably a gone. There's probably an entire culture of people who just are sitting with their friends doing Viagra now. I'd like to imagine. It's got that desperate... I, I imagine some derelict town in Wales, for instance, in the valleys, where, you know, fun is, is pretty desperate these days. You know, that everything's shut around them. Most of the pubs are closed. But we can definitely get older some Viagra. So we're just going to sit and we're all going to do it. And we're all going to sit there with erections. And I suppose it'll be a game. Who's going to lose that erection first? Who's got the biggest one? And who feels most awkward? It sounds like a good game, to be honest. And if that was what was going on in the valleys, maybe that's a good little tourist attraction. Yeah. I think like, come to the valleys, do some Viagra, and have a good, good laugh on Viagra. I mean, good luck commissioning it to Hasbro. Imagine Viagra bars, where you just you don't buy alcohol like anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't buy alcohol anymore. You just get served Viagra, and you just sit there. You sit there in a pub, with an erection. Right, bring a new meaning to uh, cocktails, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. It sounds like a monkey thing to do. You know, we're sort of reverting to a primate stage with that, aren't we? I think if if people are just sat there. Laughing at their own erections and other people's, that's pretty monkey behaviour, that, isn't it? <laughs> that's just one step away from flinging shit at each other. I mean, is there any side effects to Viagra? Which, Maybe, which that's another be, thing. Which could be used as a, yeah. an actual uh, leisure, leisure drug. Yeah, maybe. I've never taken it. So maybe there's, there is side effects to some Viagra. I don't know. I don't know how many different types of Viagra are out on the high street. Some of them might make you feel a little bit funny as well. So I didn't even consider that. If you're I'd sat like, there, I'd like to think that there's a a door that's ready to be opened when you take Viagra. Because as we were talking about Valium, there are some people who take it and fight past yeah. the sleepy stage yeah. in order to get to a I've stage that which before. makes yeah. you feel. Drunk almost. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that if you take Viagra and maybe if you fight the erection, yeah. that you open up a door. Yeah, the Viagra door. Yeah. And it basically becomes like oh, the biggest an trick. Yeah, the, the the craziest trip you've ever had to like rival that. To DMT. Yeah, bigger and better than that of DMT. That's the yeah, maybe I've just sort of skipped over that part of these conversations with the people just before I hit on the gold mine that is Viagra. And what it can do for people. Obviously, I just had no idea. So, it's, yeah, it's exciting, the prospects. And maybe I will get hold of some soon and find out what it's all about. What was the original question? Have you experienced anybody talk about doing Viagra for a laugh? I don't think you had, really. No. I haven't. But I'm starting to believe that maybe there are groups... I Maybe hope so. in Wales. I don't know if Wales has any significance to it. No, it, it doesn't. No. I was just thinking, it, it, where's, the, where's a desperate place where not a lot goes on and there's a lot of poverty and a lot of unemployment? Wales, the valleys, I think I can probably put money on. Things been pretty desperate over there. Is it far-fetched to imagine people doing Viagra there for a laugh? Probably not. Probably not. You know, a lot of this is hearsay. Maybe I just overheard conversations that weren't really going on. But if there is something in it, good. Well, I think the 2020s could bring on board a new culture. I mean, we've had swinging culture, dogging, 
and I mean maybe the 2020s is it's time, time for, for erection parties <laughs> one can only hope ass 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 tits 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 another one that's I think been a long running conversation I've had with multiple people in the topic of sex is um something I call situation based attraction there's probably a better way of wording it, but I think that's the best I can do for the time being. And you, you might be familiar with it. Well, you, you've you, you've had a job, you've worked in multiple different workplaces like myself. Now, what it is, is there's a member of the opposite sex in the same workplace as you. And being men, men as they are, everyone goes, oh, there's a woman. Oh, she's definitely a woman. And I take a step back from it and think, well... Are you just talking about this woman in terms of how attractive she is and getting all excited about her just because she happens to be one of the only women in the workplace? Now, you point that out to people and a lot of people refuse to accept it and they go, no, 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 she is, she is attractive, she is, she is. And I think, but she's not though, she's not. And I do think you're only saying that because not unlike, I don't know, the, sim- the most similar thing I can probably compare it to is... Like cabin fever or Stockholm syndrome, not cabin fever. What's cabin fever? That's when you just go mad in a cabin, isn't it? That's when you're stuck in the same, in the same four walls for too long. Yeah. So I suppose it is. Yeah, a little bit similar to cabin fever, but Stockholm syndrome is where you start identifying with your captors. So it's a little bit different from that. But you know, all similar sort of conundrums where it's just based on a situation. And if you were to step away from the situation, it wouldn't really be a real thing anymore. Whereas you know, it's the same thing, really. You think, if you saw that woman or man in a different environment where you had perfect freedom to walk away from them and not think about them again, you probably wouldn't find them attractive. But this just go on in multiple workplaces the world over, I think, where they go, a lot of people just think, because I'm in this situation, that person is definitely attractive. Definitely. But you, they're not. They're probably not. Do you ever experience anything like that? Well, the funny thing is, as soon as you mentioned it, I thought I'd just kind of almost force you to talk by not interjecting <laughs> and just let you keep talking and just see how far you got with it. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as you mentioned it, it's a, I wouldn't say a phenomenon, but it's called Procuency. Pro, pro, pro All right, so there is a proper name for it. Yeah. Right. And it's the like psychological idea that if you have people crammed in a a close working environment they're more likely to form sexual relationships whether that be the workplace or usually quite a lot of people end up getting married to people who literally live almost streets away very close in the same area yeah so what was the name for it again? So uh, I'm sure it's procuency, procuency, procuency. Yeah. Wow. The, the, the play on the word proximity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. The actual word that I later found out was propinquity. 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 So Nath was obviously really close, but it's actually propinquity. Sounds like a word you wouldn't use very often, but there you go. You can have it. Take that into your vocabulary. 
thank me later. That makes yeah, sense. Possibly the word promiscuous as well. It seems like something I probably should have Googled before I started talking about it, really. I think it's sort of like I've I stumbled across it and talked about it with numerous different people over the years without really looking into it beyond my own thinking. So I thought, you know, I've been really clever here. I've, I've basically fathomed something no one's ever thought about, whereas in reality it's been long thought of and long talked about amongst people for probably hundreds of years. Maybe um, that's why I let you talk about it for yeah, an extended yeah. period of time. Just to... <laughs> yeah, so I haven't I haven't really discovered anything there, but pro- procuity? Procuity. Procuity. Yeah. All right, okay. So now I know something, and it's sort of given more validity to something that I, that I was aware of. So it really, it's a strange phenomenon in a way, and I think it's one of those where people should probably try and rise above it, but there's not it's, necessarily anything wrong with it. It's really. the reason why, uh, well, it's probably multiple reasons why, but in the Olympic camps, they're meant to be rife for people smashing each other. Right. Uh, during the Olympics. But I suppose but it's, it's a lot of athletes in a very small camp or hotel yeah, complex. Where emotions are running high, hormones are probably running high. Yeah, so they, they fornicate with people who they wouldn't necessarily normally fornicate with. It's yeah. the situation yeah. that they're in. Situation based attraction. Mm. But yeah, the, the problem with. SBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you prefer that to the actual name for it? Oh, SBA, yeah. Yeah, situation-based attraction. It doesn't really narrow it down that much, though, I think, because it's like, well, what situation are you talking about? Maybe it should be work-based attraction, that sort of... SBA is better than WBA. Yeah. SBA. SBA rolls off the tongue a bit better, doesn't it? Yeah, and it sounds a bit more CSI. Mm. So if somebody's talking about two people that have got together, you can just turn around and go, well, it's a case of SBA. (laughs) I've seen it before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've sort of put that one to bed. But, um, yeah, I I think it's a funny one, really. Because you think, how many marriages are built on the fact that that person was just there? It was just, well... If he'd have been somewhere else, it could have been someone else. As well as like every marriage, really, because unless you just go searching the world over until you're perfectly happy with that person, well, how many people do that? Most people will fall for someone closely within their range, yeah, and then develop attraction for them, and that's that, really. Generally, who the people who they already know have already met, already acquaintance with, or possibly already even friends with. Should there be more restrictions? Should it be regulated better, do you think, where there should be a stage in everyone's relationship before it gets serious where you have to take it to a, a adjudicator, some kind of judge, and fill out a form, and then they say, well, I'm sorry, but this is just too typical of situation-based attraction, and it's just too easy, I'm afraid. Like Just because you happen to be living near each other or working together, we can't commend this relationship any further and he'll have to try again. I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah. It'd be a, a dystopian future, wouldn't it? I think like, it's... Um, but Thingy was already doing it, wasn't he? Who? Um, he got taken off ITV. Oh, Jeremy Kyle. Jeremy Kyle, yeah. Yeah, in, in a way, he was the judge of it all, wasn't he? He mm. was saying, you know, this shouldn't be a relationship anymore. He was basically telling people outright, you shouldn't be together anymore. You're not good for each other. 
he was that man, wasn't he? Yeah. And now, because of the suicides, he's been taken off air. So, should you step in to control these things? Probably not. If, if we learn anything from, from Jeremy Kyle, is that chaos within relationships should be left alone and left to roam. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they this don't get converted to uh, Mandarin and the Chinese government get hold of it. Cause yeah. They'll probably take that on as a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, probably so. If it's not already in effect. <laughs> Pro- yeah, for all I know, it probably is. They probably do eventually step into relationships in China and kill one of one or the other, the man yeah. or the woman. Would, you, would it be like jury service? Well, you just get called up one day. And you'd be like, right, you need to you need to assess this relationship. Probably so. That's how I'd go about it, really. But then again, could you rely on people from the public at random to make a good call? Not at all. Not no, at all. I no. mean, if you've got a, a, a same-sex sex partnership, yeah, and then you've got a lot of homophobes on the uh, jury, yeah, it's, it's risk, uh, isn't it? That's going to tank pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a lot of times where the the judge or the person responsible for choosing whether or not the relationship goes ahead falls in love with one of the people. This is a setup. Oh. This is a setup for a basically a fantastic romantic comedy, isn't mm. it? I can't Apart wait. Apart from the dystopian concept of yeah, judging people's it, relationships, it's a sci-fi and deciding for them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a hell of a concept. It's a sci-fi romantic comedy set in the future where things have become quite overly controlled in some kind of weird dictatorship country where your your relationships are assessed at an early stage by a randomly picked judge or jury and they they happen to end up falling in love with one of the members of that relationship so it becomes this awkward triangle wow what a film it what? sounds like a right heart warmer. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, is it gonna, what's what's going to be the I'm result gonna of that? I'm going to have to pass one? on funding it. So I'm going to have to go somewhere else for that one. You just wonder what the conclusion is going to be there. It's probably a gun battle, I imagine. Yeah, so, which all romantic comedies end <laughs> You can't fall the in love with her. Gun battle. She's my wife or wife to be, but I love her now, and it, I've made the judgment call that just because you lived near each other, you can't be together. I should be with her. But you live too close to each other. Someone's going to be hanging from a rooftop while while all this is being said, by the way. I think it's one of those high-octane things, really. Mm. A big fight commences, a load of shit goes down, and someone ends up in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be a Viagra party in it? Yes. I think like as some kind of therapy scene where they try and resolve the conflict, they all take Viagra together even the woman, and they sit and stare at each other with erections. To be honest, I think if you took it to Vice... Yes, they'd be all over that, definitely. They, yeah, they'd probably give you a, a 4K camera, <laughs> all the equipment, and just say, come back with 30 minutes of footage. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. <clears throat> Does Viagra... So it would be brilliant if you could go out and actually fabricate this this subculture of Viagra users I'd love that and send it into Vice and fully convince them that there's a legitimate underground Viagra party the only thing that would make it even better for Vice I feel and for my own entertainment would be to find an even smaller sect 
of women that are doing Viagra for recreational reasons because apparently it does something for them. Inflated clitorises, I don't know. Something like that. Would that be a benefit for women? Maybe. That that's vice all over that. <laughs> if they don't if they hear this, they're gonna be fucking slavering. Yeah. Slavering. He's he's really hit the nail on the head for what we're aiming for at Vice. Christ, he's he's paid attention, that guy. Yeah. Heavy metal music theme over the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a load of women sat sat in some basement somewhere, dimly lit, all doing Viagra, staring at each other, getting hyped up and giggling. Yeah, yeah, really send it as a real serious problem, but also get the heartwarming stories in there as well. Yeah. Of how they've fallen yeah. into the, the backstory use. In Wales. <laughs> yeah. The unemployment's rife. We just get together as as women and we do Viagra and we stare at each other and we we laugh laugh about it and we're not sure what it's doing to us physically, but it feels good. <laughs> wow. I think we really found something quite exciting there. Are you losing your hair? I got a solution for you. Tom's Power Cream. Rub it in your scalp. The hair grows back within five years, probably. I don't know. Fuck off. Tired of feeling inadequate and struggling to maintain an erection? Use Tom's Power Cream. Shut your face. Know why you always lose in tennis? Your hair loss, idiot. Kids beating you on Super Mario? Hair loss. Tom's Power Cream. Use it and fuck yourself. Should you be allowed to advertise gambling or alcohol on TV? You're not yeah. allowed to advertise cigarettes. So should you be allowed to advertise either one of those based on death statistics and numerous other problems? What is it, gambling and alcohol? Gambling and alcohol. Well, with alcohol adverts, you'll notice that they don't actually show people drinking. Swallowing, really? Swallowing. Oh, right. They'll show people... Uh, pacing the lips and popping it up against a glass or a bottle. Is that true? Is that but not drinking it. I yeah. didn't even notice, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, wow. So you can just do everything but actually swill the alcohol down someone's neck on an advert. So yeah. it's like, well, here's the culture, here's everything setting up the, you know, what we're actually talking about, but the actual act itself, that's ridiculous. That's like um, Chinese censorship of porn. You know, where it's like you can film the act but we'll blare out the penis so <laughs> like, like, well we all know what's going on you might as well just leave the penis unblared but yeah that's interesting I didn't know that um, I did see a, an advert for Estrella not so long ago and it could have been an advert for absolutely anything it was so bizarre I don't know if you saw it it was a woman I think she was diving underwater and there was sort of soft music playing and it was quite a sentimental, weird scene. And I think, I don't know if she was drowning. I think by the end of it, I was fairly sure she drowned. Mm. And then it just sort of came out with Estrella, great beer. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Like, this makes no sense whatsoever. What are you trying to tell us? That if you drink too much Estrella, you probably will drown. I mean, it's, it's a Spanish beer. It was a lovely little bit of ocean she was in. Could have been off the coast of Spain. She drank too much and then she drowned. Yeah, I think they try and pick up on social connections that are associated with alcohol. So like party, partying as or as a social lubricant or um, like community events. Like the Smirnoff advert, yeah. I think it was uh, like some weird basement party where everyone was 
pretty much sober, mm. even though it's a Smirnoff advert. Yeah. And I mean, in reality, everyone there would be absolutely smashed, you know. Yeah, but they don't portray so. that in the advert. So maybe it's just the beginning of the party. Yeah. Who knows? You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it always comes with a message on every one of them now where it says, please drink responsibly, you know, just in case. You know, it seems like a petty, petty thing to put on an advert for alcohol because it's like, well, you know full well that I'm going to be drinking this with the intention of getting drunk like most people do with alcohol these days. It's In Britain especially, we have the that intention all the time. In other countries, across Europe especially, alcohol is just something to be enjoyed responsibly and they do actually take that message seriously but we never do here it's always a case of we're drinking to get drunk mm. it's never been it's never there'll never be a day i don't think in this country where we're going just have a beer with a meal because it suits the meal well and it tastes nice it's never that is it it's always i was drinking because i wanted to forget about the facts i hate my life really <laughs> Um, well, there's in in Europe in in France they sell cheap bottles of wine yeah. which are intended for cooking. Oh yeah, um, doing your your cooking, your beef bourguignon, um, <laughs> and all the rest of it. But we can't sell cheap wine here that's intended for cooking Cause because will that will it. find its audience on the street drinkers. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine. Well, that's the problem with like cider. The price of cider has increased a lot over recent years, hasn't it? Because that was the token drink of the homeless. Mm. They would go in and buy their cheap bottle of white lightning or what have you, and then enjoy a good night. But now in Scotland, I think they were the first to introduce uh, a quite a, an increase in price on those those alcohol. Based on percentage, isn't it? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, because I mean, they've brought down the the power of Stella. I yeah, think Stella was five and a half. Used seven, to be, yeah. It's now yeah. four point eight. Yeah, it's been diluted quite a bit. Um, diluted is probably the wrong word. But yeah, there's not a lot of five percent beers in pubs anymore at all. I've noticed recently. It's so like everyone used to call Stella wife beater, didn't they? Because it was notoriously one of those that sends you a bit south a little bit faster than a lot of other typical lagers. But you think, oh fucking hell! I mean, generally four percent is around the percentage most beers are. If you just have one percent, just one percent, it's oh Christ! You better be, better be careful with that. But that's still a, a common opinion amongst quite a lot of lager drinkers these days. It's like oh Jesus Christ! And it was nearly five percent this beer. And I'm still there looking at it like Jesus Christ! Like why are you getting excited about that? I mean, it, I'm I'm at a perspective where I was sort of introduced to high percentage beers, Belgian beers especially, early into my drinking years as soon as they commenced it was sort of like right here's beer don't bother with that here's some very high percentage beers and it's all it instantly became a fascination for me it was like jesus christ beers can go up to 10 12 even 14 percent mm. from belgium especially i know the public beers all over the world that go up to christ knows what i think um the record holder now is a brew dog beer i think and that like christ knows what percentage that was it might have been something fucking ridiculous like 30 odd percent so when people talk about beers being exciting at around 5%, it just makes me laugh. And it's like, well, Jesus Christ, you want to try some of these fucking crazy-ass Belgian beers? I think there's um, Rochefort 10. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's a Belgian beer. It's not 10%. It's I think it is around 14%. And that was one that I was I was drinking when I was 18 in a pub called Welly Inn in Hull that's no longer there anymore. And it was just it was a right laugh. It is still there. 
Welly Inn. Oh, the, uh, not the Welly Club. The Welly Club is. No, Welly Inn used to be um, right at the end of Beverly Road, um, you know, where Lamp is, you know, that. Oh, pub, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you carried on going down that little side street, and then round the corner was this other pub called Welly Inn. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Pub but the, the year, building pub, itself will pub still of the be. Year, there. 2005, 2006. No doubt. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Still got still got it on the windows. Yeah. I think what killed it in the end is they, they started brewing their own beer. And I talked to a member of staff after it closed and he said that just killed them because he invested so much in brewing this beer and it never really took off. So he was like, well, we're not going to see the money back. And that was that. Mm. It was a crying shame because it was my favourite pub in Hull. And it had this cellar full of fucking Belgian beers that was, they were all fucking fantastic. I mean, I went to Bruges a few years ago now and it, when you go in the shops there, you see all the different beers in there. It's fantastic. It's the closest thing uh, as an adult to being a kid in a candy shop. It's, it's fucking fantastic. I can agree with that, yeah. yeah. Especially with all the little cans of IPAs and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. if you can't tell the much difference between one between the other, at least you can pretend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. But yeah, the the great beers. It is the best place for beer in the world, Belgium. It's, it's fantastic. We've kind of really lost sight of what the topic was here. But and we've basically done our own advertisement for beer. It's <laughs> just yeah, defeating the object entirely. Get but, out, have a beer, enjoy. Yeah. Drink, drink responsibly. Yeah. It just feels like such a waste that last little thing, doesn't it? Like, please, please, please drink responsibly. Well there's yeah. a new Guinness advert, isn't they? And it's um Make your next Guinness a clear one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like literally within the, the first few milliseconds, I thought, what the fucking actually made. Yeah, it fooled everyone, didn't it? You clear think, Guinness. Fucking hell, what's this about? How did they manage that? Uh, it's, it's like the Gillette, Gillette advert in it where they try and tackle toxic masculinity. And Guinness now are just trying to be soft. It's all, oh, have, yeah. have a couple of waters, have a pint of water. Yeah, I don't know why Guinness are the first to do it, really. I suppose someone had to. It, yeah, it's the, pro- the problem they're facing is that it's alright for them to turn around and say oh yeah get a glass of a pint of water but they provide the Guinness you go to any pub Weatherspoons or whatever it be you get a Guinness out of casks that have been brewed and put in them casks by Guinness whereas the water they're not providing the water are they I, I, I mean in some pubs it looks it looks more like milk warm milk yeah probably so to think. I mean, it, I don't know many people that have a fucking pint of water in between the, the pints of Guinness, but I don't think I've ever ordered a pint of water from anywhere, any pub. Restaurants, maybe, but never a pub. It just seems like a strange thing to do. But it makes it makes sense with food. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's... Um it's a, it's a social factor to it if you order a pint of water. Yeah. Pub, isn't it? It's a bold step for a lot of people. It's like, mm. well, I'm just going to take it easy, lads. I'm going to have water. And imagine like all the air leaving the room and everyone's staring at it like, what the fuck? <laughs> really? But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that big a taboo. I've experienced sort of problems with alcohol recently with myself. I think it's finally come to a head now where I've finally had to accept that I don't know where my limit is when I'm drinking out with friends that most people will go, yeah, I'm getting pretty drunk now. I don't and just keep on going and going and going. I'm having to accept that I might have to restrict myself quite a bit now. But I don't know. It's it's difficult for some people with alcohol. It really is. 
and you shouldn't feel like it's too much of a taboo to order a pint of water in a bar. It's an idea that's been floated to me in the past. That I've sort of said, yeah, that isn't a bad one, but I've never done it. I've never thought it would be a good idea at the time. Because it's the thing is, for me, it, it goes pint after pint after pint, and I just think I should have a pint in my hand. The whole time I'm thinking, where's my next pint? Get the next pint in. And then I make it worse in a lot of pubs. And I go, what what can make this even more exciting? I'll, I'll mix the drinks. I'll get something fucking stupid like a Long Island iced tea. The, the prime example of that is National Pub next to me does two cocktails for something like £6.50 now. It used to be a fucking fiver. Mm. So it's just crept up slightly. And yeah, you can get two Long Island iced teas for six £6.50. And what's even funnier about that is the people behind the bar fucking hate making Long Island iced teas because it's just it's a massive disruption. Imagine you're a busy, busy evening in in the national and the football's on and there's fuck knows how many people come to the bar. Or at the moment ordering beer to the table as you have to do, and some dickhead just orders two Long Island iced teas and it's a stupid cocktail involving multiple different spirits. A lot, most of the time in the past, the, the barmaid doesn't know how to make them at all because it, it rarely comes up. In a pub like the National, where it's like a proper working class shitty pub, no one really orders fucking Long Island iced teas. It's a surprise it's even on the menu, but it is because it's a chain pub, it's a sizzling pub. So in every sizzling pub, they have the same fucking menu. And presumably in some sizzling pubs, these cocktails go down a storm. In the National, it's basically <laughs> me and maybe one or two others order them very rarely. So when they come up, it's like, fucking hell. I've had I've got 14 pints of Fosters to pour, and this fucking Long Island iced tea is getting in the way of every one of them. And by the time it gets to you, it tastes like shit because they didn't know what they were doing with it. But I still take a lot of satisfaction in knowing that it disrupted basically everyone's evening. That's That was <laughs> going to be my question. Like, do, you, yeah. do you feel cocktail guilt? No, where the bar's absolutely rammed, and they just give you the uh, it's great the squint in the eye to tell you like why can't you just order two Fosters? <laughs> yeah. You cunt. It, it's great, I, despite the fact spend ten minutes making a fucking Long Island iced tea. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, it's great to know that despite how bad it tastes, because it's been made it's been made badly and in a rush, I really ruined everything for everybody just for a bit there. Fantastic, fantastic. To come back to the ram to the main point of should you advertise alcohol, yeah. I think definitely keep it on the screens. See what adverts they come out with. I'd like to see them go into a, a more realistic uh focus on advertising. Mm. Most advertising is glorifying things to the point of it takes it out of normal usage. Yeah. Where as if we had an advert where we was down at Gary's or Ken's kitchen, you know, and all the boys are getting absolutely trashed on a crate of carlin. That'd be a more fitting advert. Yeah. But you've got the juxtaposition then of drink responsibly. <laughs> you, you, you can't if you're going to use that tagline because maybe that's what's ruined it. Yeah. You it's can't you can't show what alcohol what you're truly capable of on alcohol. No. When you have to say at the end, drink responsibly. That'd be brilliant. Just a lot of people passed out in a kitchen with like fucking vodka everywhere, and then finally the very very pathetic message of drink responsibly just fades <laughs> in across the screen. <laughs> the desperate desperate plea, yeah, that's that'd be 
that'd be my sort of alcohol advert. But yeah, I think like in in recent years and in years to come, they will become so so heavily censored and carefully done that it will it'll be like I said about the Australia advert, it'll become less and less obvious there is an advert for alcohol at all, and it'll just be like right, we can't do this, we can't do that, and we can't do that, but we still have the right to advertise. So what are we gonna do? And it's like a perfume advert now, where you just go, yeah, "What the hell is this?" Complete Just of... yeah, somebody fucking fucking tying a shoelace down a street, and then bumping into someone as they walk into a shop, and then just the fucking letters of Stella come up as he walks in. And you think, well, how how on earth are you supposed to tie those two together? But that's what it'll become, I suppose, until it's completely banished altogether. I forget when it was that smoking was banned from advertising on TV. I think it was probably the eighties. I'm I'm guessing. Something like banned that. on TV. Yeah. The advertising was banned in two thousand and four. Really, as as recent as that? I thought um, it, was, it was earlier. Than... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe TV was different. But yeah. I remember there being a Lambert and Butler, um, with the Butler. Yeah. And the and the, the classic advert, on. On the, um, on the billboard, on the billboard. yeah. On um, Chan Sav, yeah, I remember those well. They stopped yeah. all from motorsports as well, didn't they? Because oh, right, Marlborough yeah. used to sponsor yeah. um, Formula One. Formula One, and I'm sure I'd like to think that one of them sponsored a football team at one point. Cause Maybe. Because that would just be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Gazza. Gazza stood there with a fag in his hand. Yeah, Gazza. Benson and By the side of the pitch. Brilliant. Yeah. With his Pint of John Smith's as well. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Actually. I think if, if people are that gullible to fall for advertising, which I think less and less people probably are these days, who watches an advert and rushes out and buys stuff because of the advert? Most of it's subliminal, isn't it, I suppose? But I, th- I think people fall for adverts that they're already going to fall for anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think people, people do put up a good defence against um, if a makeup advert came on. It's not going to convince you otherwise. No. Um, or maybe it will, I don't know. But if an advert comes up of something that you're interested in, then it's already kind of got you by the bollocks a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. And then that's when the advertising weaves its way in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're on fucking the Argos hotline <laughs> buying fucking trampolines. <laughs> 14 trampolines, please. Get them to my door. Um, the other thing I mentioned was gambling as well I don't think gambling should be allowed to advertise because people become addicted to it and I think if you're encouraging people to do it, again they do the same thing as alcohol adverts where they throw away the tiny play just at the end going please gamble responsibly as if that saves them all from everything yeah the little get out clause Days is a little bit, makes a little bit more sense it's when the fun stops yeah that's a good sort of hard-hitting message at the end of it. You think, well, yeah, that's mm. it's, am I having fun with this anymore? Or have I just gambled my mortgage on my house over the course of one evening that was supposed to be fun? Yeah, it's, it's a bit more hard-hitting. But the problem is you need to associate the loss of money with it not being fun. Hmm. Because you could still remortgage your house, lose it all on the roulette table and go... Well, it was still fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. And then go out and get us some credit cards and then max them out and go, I'm still having fun. <laughs> it still feels like fun. 
So, so the issue there is the fun doesn't stop, does it? <laughs> it depends on your idea of fun, doesn't it? So it's a dangerous one. You know, it's what what may not have been fun before has slowly but surely become fun to the point where real gamblers don't have fun until <laughs> there's high stakes stuff going on, like people are gambling organs and mm. things like that. It's, it's probably what's going on in Chinese businessmen quite a bit. I imagine they intimidate people around like the poker table or the roulette table where that one guy just comes along and it's like we all know this guy's is you know he's not stopping yeah he's not stopping yeah and that becomes the highlight of the evening really it's fantastic he's taking fucking the chandelier off the uh off the bloody ceiling to try and sell it to someone to make money to get back on the roulette table <laughs> i hope so Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our new game show, Brick Dust or Rust. Tell me, what is it? Is it Brick Dust or is it Rust? You guess. So what do you think then, Jeff? What do you think? Is it Brick Dust or is it Rust? Well, it's a wheelbarrow and it's, it's old, so surely it'll be a Rust. Is that your final answer? Are you saying rust, Jeff? Are you sure? Well, I, I think so. Aye. Ah, you're wrong! Ha <laughs> ha Jeff, no! That's where you're very wrong! It's not rust at all! It's in fact brick dust! Yes, brick dust! Because the wheelbarrow had bricks in it! You fool! You idiot, Jeff! Oh, bloody hell! Oh, Nath, I just went to the toilet while you were smoking a cigarette. And I, I hope you don't mind, I used two of your ear, earbuds. It might have even been three or four. I'm sorry. I hope that's not a problem for you. I, the thing the thing is with me and earbuds is quite that... quite expensive, but yeah. Are they? Right, well, I'll transfer you the money. Yeah. But um, I, I always forget to clean my ears. And now and again, when I do see an earbud, I feel the urge to use them. Because it may be a long time before I remember to do it again. So the edge came about and I, I acted on it. So you only yeah. remember when you see earbuds, you don't... Yeah, I don't, you don't have... You don't realise when yeah. the sound quality... No. And, and funnily enough, I had an ear test at work, a hearing test, the other, the other day, the other month, and it turns out I've got something of a blockage, I think, in my left ear. And I thought, well, that's not good. And it's... I don't know about you, but whenever I do clean out my ears, it's a horror show. And you go, Jesus Christ, I should have been doing this a lot more often. But doctors don't recommend earbuds, do they? They always say, no, that's not the best way because you could fucking... Compact the wax in your ear. Yeah, yeah. But you see the result on an earbud and you think, this is definitely something I should be doing more often. So it's it's a complicated relationship. I don't know about you. But um, I, to be honest, the most interesting thing you've picked up on is um, seeing the result. Hmm. So it's like um, we need visual clarification. Yeah, I suppose it's the same when you wipe your ass, isn't it? Yeah, you know you're all you you you're working on visual confirmation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always dissatisfying when you wipe your ass and there's nothing to show for it. You think, well, what was the point? What what? Was, why did I sit here and do that if there's nothing to show for it? That's yeah. ridiculous. Maybe I'll try again. I've, it does wind me up. That, that I usually keep going until there's blood. <laughs> that's the only way I know I've done a good job. Yeah, just keep on straining. 
and I, I think eventually you'll get what you want <coughs> is usually my motto and it's the same for ears as well if I was to put an ear bud in there and there wasn't any wax I'd just keep going until there was blood it yeah. would be the best way and sure. the same for nose as well when I'm picking my nose if there's nothing there keep going until there's, there's a lot of blood <laughs> it's, it's not a great motto and it's, you know, it's something that I don't stand by but it's one I, I live by yeah so. Well, you definitely know you've cleared it out when you've um, scraped a few layers of skin. Yeah, exactly. In order exactly. to draw blood. It's great. <clears throat> Biting nails, again, same thing. Yeah, usually do that once or twice a day. Definitely keep going until you can see bone. Mm. <laughs> just, just safer that way, I find. Def- definitely good. But on the subject of ears, um, the best way to clean them out is in a, a warm shower. Yeah. Is cup your ear. All right. So the water uh, fills your ear, and then uh, it slowly drain out. So uh, the warm okay. water melts the earwax. Yeah. And rinses it out. Yeah, it just wouldn't be enough though. Without the blood, you just don't. <laughs> you just don't know, do you? You don't know. But that, that's fine, and Dandy, I'll take that advice on board. That's that's fine. Thanks. Jamiroquai, too smooth. Right. This is a. This is a quite an intense topic I'll brace myself yeah there's there's something about Jamiroquai and the only way I can describe it is it's, it's music is too smooth yeah I know what it's, you mean it's hard to to put to put your finger on it as to what what it actually is and I think every time it plays because it's, it's either one of two songs and the birth annoyingly catchy but catchy where it, it to a point where it hurts yeah it's like like Karamak yeah 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 you can feel like a bit sickly like a sharp stabbing pain mm. in your chest but when, it keeps when it's going when on the radio yeah and it, yeah I absolutely hate it right but well, there's a little part of my brain going, well, some of the tunes are quite catchy. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's you know. difficult, really. It must be quite a conundrum for you. Now, um, I know it wouldn't be welcome to you on a Monday morning. You've you've highlighted that. Oh, definitely not. Before no, before this, this conversation. This uh, this is this is where it all arose. Yeah. The, the frustration. A Monday morning requires something with a bit of aggression. You yeah. know, something to repay for the day. No, I agree. And the silkiness and the butteriness of Jamiroquai. And whenever the song plays, you've always got that vision in your head of him with that stupid fucking hat on. Yep. On that um, moving, moving floor. I know the video, yeah. And everybody knows the video. Yeah. I and thought it was really good at the time, but looking back at it now, he probably seems like a smug dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Smug, I think, is the word with him, isn't it? It's like you're far too smug. But I wonder where he is now. I bet he's not as smug. But he seemed like he was very wealthy at the time. Whenever he turned up on Top Gear, you were sure that he had a lot of good cars. It, to be honest, he's, as a person, he's, I have no complaints. No. In a no. music video, making music, no. Just, yeah, I can see the aggravation. I bet that's not uncommon. Now... My brother has always been a fan of Jamiroquai. He got me into him actually because it was. My brother's always been a fan of music for the car. That's the only time he's really ever listened to music. Never like 
walking down the street with headphones it's always just in the car what suits what I'm what I'm driving you know blah 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 so I think that Jimmy Require sort of specialised in car music and when I started driving a couple of years ago I got the best of Jimmy Require to see if it had the same effect on myself okay. and didn't play it a lot before I just got bored of it and thought I'm driving a Toyota Yaris 06 Rage around, which is probably not what Jamiroquai had in mind for his music. He was probably marketing his stuff more, you know, the upper class who were driving around Ferraris or Bentleys or, you know, Rolls Royce, something like that. Something mm. really quite flashy. Did you find yourself taking more risks when you was listening to Jamiroquai? Maybe running more red lights, maybe driving closer to... Being a bit arrogant cars. in the way that I drove, Yeah, maybe so. As I say, I abandoned it quite rapidly, but if I'd have carried on, no doubt I'd have become a worse and worse driver, definitely. Mm. He's a bit of a dick. So, Is there, Talking about listening to music in the car, um, we listen to quite a lot of radio and um, I'll just have to consult the yeah. the, da- the database on this one. Yeah, that's fine. But the basic premise is that there's a Razorlight song. Oh, yeah. We all love a bit of Razorlight. Yeah. Or do we? <laughs> They've been mentioned before in the past. I seem to remember. But. There is a Razorlight song. Yeah. Um, oh, in America, in America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we all remember that one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, is I mean, that the one? Yeah, so it plays on the radio quite a lot, I and mean, we do listen to quite a, a, about three or four different radio stations, yeah. and it is reoccurring. Reoccurring. It's quite a common song that's played. In America. Yeah, yeah. Very and annoying, isn't it? it? Yeah. So the first question is, what year do you think it came out? I will say two thousand and six. My God, on the money. Yeah, yeah two thousand and six. Yeah. Brilliant. So, we've we've had to listen to this what fourteen years, <laughs> and they're still playing it on the radio now. Um, but I thought oh, I'll have a look. What was in the top hundred UK charts? The top hundred singles in two thousand and six. And I'm just going to give you a few, and you say to me, would you a rather listen to Razor Light, living in America, or would you rather listen to this other suggestion, which okay. is also a 2006 right. classic? Right, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Lily Allen, smile. How does that go? Have you got a sample? It's. Oh yeah. Well, I'll straight away say yeah. I'd listen to that over the Razor Light song. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So that's that one. Cascada. Every time we took. Oh, 100 percent. That over razor light. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. The Kooks, naive. How does that go? Do you know? Oh yeah. Uh, so naive. Yeah. Yep, that over razor light again. Yep. Snow Patrol, chasing cars. I'll probably have to say that again over Razorlight because I even bought a Snow Patrol CD from a charity shop a couple of years ago on a whim thinking I'm sure I like Snow Patrol but it didn't really come to fruition I didn't listen to it and go yeah I definitely am into Snow Patrol now but still I'm guessing I would enjoy it still more than Razorlight yeah yeah, yeah. 
the Black Eyed Peas pump it. Oh yeah, banger. Yeah, definitely. Pump it. I saw it goes. You know, they keep shouting pump it, don't they? I know that's definitely part of it. There's, a, there's another Kooks one. I mean, I don't know if he was ever... Uh... I wasn't a big sort of indie kid, so I probably did my best to avoid bands like the Kooks. But uh, but I do believe the Kooks and Razorlight were vying for... Yeah, figureheads. Like the classic Blair yeah. Oasis. Yeah, it was really a um, battle at the time, wasn't it? Was, but... but the kook, she moves in her own way. You would have, you would have heard of this one. Yes, I've definitely heard that one. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit annoying though that one. That's tough. What's more annoying, that or now this all? Yeah, it's still got to be that over living in America. You're still choosing the kooks. Yeah, yeah, I am. That was a bit too jolly for me. I, I think it's a bit abrasive, but still, that over razor light. Paolo Nettini, last request. I like a bit of Paolo. I think um, he's got some kind of dark uh, personal life. I think he had, had numerous drug problems. Not that it has anything really to do with his music, but he's a Scottish guy with the name Paolo Nettini. Now, it can't be often that there's someone from Scotland called Paolo. So it's always been a bit intriguing for me. Or so, have the surname Nutini. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing is very not Scottish sounding. So, it, yeah, on that basis and the fact that some of his music is passable, I will choose him again over Razorlight. Yeah. Excellent choice. I, I like Paolo Nutini. I've found classic mid-2000s band, The Killers. Oh, yeah. With When We Were Young. When we were young, it's, it's a given. Uh, the killers are yeah. far above Razorlight. Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Absolutely stormed in two thousand and six with their debut album, um, Arctic Monkeys. Oh right, yeah. With when the sun comes down, and how, the sun goes down. I can't remember how that one goes, but Arctic Monkeys. He's a scummy me. man. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. Give him half a chance. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't keen on them at the time, but I grew to love Marks and Monkeys, yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Danny California. Yeah, I've even got that. I had that in my car for quite a long time, that album. Uh, the Automatic, Monster. Now it's a bit of an obscure one, because I, I think they came on the scene. She was a monster, off. she was a monster. <laughs> is, it, is, that, is that the one? The same band. What's that coming? Oh hey, no! Wait, no, one. that's that's something else entirely, isn't it? No, that is the is, song. Is it? I'm sure it is. No, that's Zootons, isn't it? What's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? I'm sure that's. No, I think it's the Hot Mike. That's, yeah, that's not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh wow! I was completely wrong. I was sure it was the fucking Zootons. What the hell did they sing? Never mind. So would you be more happy to hear? Oh, over Razorlight, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Starting to get maybe a little bit closer to changing your mind. James Blunt, Goodbye My Lover. Oh no, Razorlight, yeah, yeah, Razorlight over there. Razorlight over oh, James Blunt. Finally, finally Bye, my lover. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's shite. No, I couldn't. I couldn't listen to that. So you'd rather listen to uh, Razor Light out of choice. Yeah. All right. So we've uh, finally found one. Yeah, we've skipped quite a few songs from the 2006, but that's number 17. Right. On the, so, on yeah. the top 100 UK chat for 2006. <laughs> that came in at number 17 for the entire year, James Blunt. Number 70. 70. All oh, right. Razor Light, America. Came in at number 13. Fucking hell. Because I think like, they had some passable songs up until that point. I think that was the point where they became almost unlistenable. Mm. I can't remember the other songs, but I'm, I'm sure they were on the right track until that song. I think I'd, I'd probably be fair to say. Yeah, maybe on the... Uh, not as good as, but maybe some of the earlier stuff really early stuff was like in line with the strokes maybe yeah yeah I think I just went tits up really but there you go no mate happy wife happy life sexist sexist that's a sexist thing to say I'm sorry mate I don't understand sorry what did I say wrong happy wife Happy life! Oh yes, very good! Very good in 2021! Yes, that's just great! I don't understand what I've said wrong, I'm sorry. I, I, I really don't know what I've done wrong at all. Stupid, sexist, bloody man-explaining bastard! Happy wife! Happy life! Yes, that's very good, isn't it? Very good! What about the rest of us? What about the rest of us? Do you know, when when people say YOLO and they don't say it often anymore? I'm sure it's very rare that you hear it anymore, but it still is out there. It may, may come back. There may be. I know a man that says lols quite a lot. <laughs> you never know. He might be walking on the street one day and suddenly it reemerges that people start shouting YOLO at each other. But it's still out there. Do you think that people who took that on board and made it their life mission to live by that motto of "You only live once"? had a real hit to the personal finances and suffered for it in the end. You think that's why it sort of died a death? Um, I think YOLO isn't linked in any way. This might take you by surprise. I don't think YOLO is linked in any way to finances. It might have a hit. It might have a hit on people. You think, well, if you're just really sticking to it and you're going, well, you only live once and then just blowing your cash on silly things like skydiving and... I don't know, bungee jumping. I th- I think most people who would use the YOLO concept um, will probably YOLO things that don't require any money. So oh, well, ideally, that'd um, be nice. Maybe they're out up in the um, the Peak District, and it's like, can you clear that two hundred foot drop? Alright, okay. And, and that's when they'd shout YOLO. That's I mean, when they would scream YOLO. Maybe I got the message of YOLO living wrong. Maybe I was seeing it a bit too drastically and that people were taking it too seriously when really it was quite a jovial message that everyone threw around for a laugh, like a beach ball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, just fun with the lads, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's like... It's not a new life motto. Yeah, can you run across the road blindfolded? YOLO. Yolo. (laughs) Probably that was it. I don't think I was really involved in the movement at the time. So maybe I I got the message wrong. And I thought it was 
something that was dangerous when really it was just all of a bit of fun. Do you think that it was actually spawned by bankers who were very in control of the finances? Do you think that's a possibility? It is a possibility, yeah. Maybe Not it's a likely man- manufactured. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, if it is manufactured, it does make it a lot less cool. Do you think that maybe YOLO could be responsible in part for the financial crash of 2007, 8, was it? Get a loan, YOLO. (laughs) Hey, have this credit card, YOLO. Well, it all depends if people YOLO and into finances. And I don't think people YOLO into finances. I think people are responsible around finances <laughs> I think the YOLO concept already comes into play after a few beers you Does, know. doesn't it yeah I think it was too harmless but what if it wasn't what if people really ran with it and it became something they used too often and then lo and behold they were in debt and that all that debt eventually crippled the economy did this, I think the two things may have overlapped. Maybe YOLO came a little bit after the financial crash. Might be wrong. But I don't think it's far-fetched. But, I mean, it, we can't... It's difficult to visualise using sound rather than getting the PowerPoint out. But if we can YOLO into a financial crash, so we start at a point and we have a massive dip yeah. on the graph... If we can YOLO into it, can we not YOLO out of it? Perhaps, yeah. Using YOLO correctly, I think you know you were YOLOing all wrong in the first place with your credit cards and your loans that you were never intending to pay back. Let's let's YOLO the right way now, and not spend any money, doing silly things like putting on a party hat. <laughs> you know, that's basically very inexpensive harmless and fun YOLO put yeah. this silly party hat but I'd, I'd I do think that if you live and die by the YOLO philosophy then you're unstoppable it's a bit like the film Yes Men or Yes Man with Jim Carrey well, if you just keep on saying yes all the time then surely good things can come your way I forget what the message was at the end of that film I think if you just watch the first half of that film and then never watch the other half then it's great mm. but what really happens is that Jim Carrey ends up being shagged in an alley by a homeless man I, I don't know I don't know I can't remember <laughs> it well it's something like that anyway there's some dark message to it you just said yes too much and then something bad happened possibly rape don't know it was at a point in Jim Carrey's career where he was a bit experimental so it wouldn't have been too out there if he put that in, if his own creative, yeah, experimental direction. Jim Carrey is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's abandon that topic altogether. I've not, I don't no. want to talk about YOLO ever again. No, it's not for me. No, no, no. I, I not resent just yet, people. Not just, yet, not just yet. Because I still want to continue this idea of the YOLO movement this unstoppable force that is somebody who lives and dies by the YOLO philosophy. I mean, 
I think if we ever met a true year lower, that, I mean, people would be quite negative about it. People might say that person's um, suffering from mania. <laughs> um, that person has possibly acute psychosis. Mm. But I think we could safely say they've embraced and they've been enlightened by the YOLO life. Right. But it, there's no doubt some Americans out there, let me guess, that have probably made their own church of YOLO. I don't think it's too hard to imagine. If they're not calling it that, then it'll be something like the church of Embrace Life that's probably Christian-based, maybe. Or if not in any sort of link to Christianity, then it's all a bit... It will be them. It will be Americans that have gone and done something like that. The You Only Live Once church. Yeah, they're probably out there. It's probably got to that level. And who am I to say that they're wrong in, in that? I mean, if the, all they're doing is encouraging people to go and embrace life, and they're all talking about carpe diem and getting the carpe diem tattoos and going out and running down train tracks to see what happens. I don't know. It's not It's not something I want any part of. I resent those people. It scares me because I think if you don't have control, what do you have? Eh? You need control. It's important to have. You'll never be a true yellower. No, I never will. They wouldn't have me in the church. I'd bad mouth them. I'd go in on a on a day where I felt soft, when I was bored, and say, "All right, let's see what's what's going on here. Let's let's have it." And then by the end of the day, I'd be banned from the church, and I'd have soured a lot of faces. I feel because I'd be with them, and they'd be all jumping on board the hot air balloons because they're thinking, "Well, Yola, get on board the hot air balloon. What's the worst that can happen?" You know. All drinking the cans of Dr Pepper, mm. and I'm stood there going, "Well, quite a lot could go wrong here, actually." Do you know anything about ballooning? Because who set this up? What, some guy in the Yolo Church who's never done hot air ballooning before? Silly, silly, stupid, and irresponsible. And I'm like, "Well, you know, you know what, Tom? If you don't like it, you can go somewhere else." I'm like, oh no, no, I'll get on board your hot air balloon. And then after that, would be breaking into some abandoned warehouse to go and throw some bricks through windows and I think well this is all well and good what if the police turn up and arrest someone because we're actually trespassing and they're like well but is is a is a proposal to you <clears throat> the YOLO concept must come from somewhere so as we become adults the idea of YOLO becomes distasteful mm. so who are the most YOLO in society at the moment and I would say it's the demographic between, I would say, four to six years old, maybe two to six years old. Yeah. And at that point in time, I think the human brain structure is literally focused on the YOLO concept. I mean, if we can, if you draw your mind back to them days, I mean, did you think twice about going down a slide? No. No. Did you think twice about running around the house or screaming at the top of your voice throwing things out of the no. window you didn't even need to shout YOLO before yeah. doing it yeah. you didn't go YOLO and then go down the slide you just did it Yeah, you were, you were the, the embodiment of YOLO you're right you're at, that, right, yeah. at that period in time mm. Mm. 
I mean, you didn't need to shout YOLO and then just miss all the cracks on the pavement. No. You just saw it. You just saw it and go... Let's not step on those cracks. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is, the church would probably be full of children and I wouldn't belong there. <laughs> no, That's be, a dangerous road. It would be, yeah. Straight away you can notice the problems there. So there I'd be, some church in America full of children, arguing with children about their their philosophies thinking I'm getting nowhere with this. this this is just stupid and a waste of time and eventually I'd probably call the authorities and have the church shut down just as an example of personal yoga I had a, um, a battery operated police three wheeled vehicle um, right they've got like motorised like Audi rip offs now oh ok but um, it was this battery powered police police thing it had a little radio on the remote on control the, on the oh. back oh no 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 it just had a little button on it right it'd, it'd clock about three miles an hour right but I sent that down a curb and that was never designed to go down a curb and I mean I ate shit <laughs> you know <laughs> absolute shit I mean the, the thing didn't have suspension at all right it was just <laughs> <laughs> you ate shit. <laughs> right. So it's just. How old are you? Was this recently? Um, it was in the the critical yellow age. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it must have been about. So it was a five, lesson there, wasn't it? Old. You know, that was presumably the the full stop to your yolo phase when that crashed off the cab. <laughs> you ate shit. <laughs> Well, maybe afterwards, yeah. But I mean, we rewound w- one minute prior to me hitting hitting the road off the pavement. Well, is it something you I, got in and drove yourself? Yeah, you sat oh, on it. Wow, fucking you hell. You sat on it and pressed a button. And right, it, okay. And fucking it'd go. Right. It had, that sounds fantastic, yeah. had a couple of 9-volt batteries in it. Yeah. Maybe a bit more than 9 volts. Probably those big chunky batteries. Yeah, yeah. I had a fake phone on the back, so you <sighs> pretend to ring the police uh, for backup and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, m- maybe my well changed after <laughs> dropping off the car. <laughs> Crunched but over the car. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, I mean, I didn't even think of the consequences. No. At all. No. I, did, I literally fucking yellowed at that cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of childhood, isn't it? You know, not not being tarnished by the the repercussions to life and ploughing your uh, little police vehicle over the cab <laughs> on a nearby street. Yeah, fan- fantastic. I used to go... Do you ever used to go down um, steep steps on your bike? Mm. Well, you, I don't know, you, you're a big biker, you're really into BMXing and that, so you probably know all about that sort of stuff, even to this day. But yeah, that used to be a big thrill for me. You know, there was um, a set of steps near a pub where I, I grew up, Good Fellowship pub had these steps. And looking back at, looking at them now, they're still there. You think that was utterly pathetic. Mm. They're, they're not steep at all, and going down them on any bike would be completely harmless, and you shouldn't shit yourself. But when you're at a young age, you think, Jesus Christ, I'm going to YOLO down these steps like nobody's ever seen. And Christ knows what will happen. I may die. I probably will, but fucking YOLO. Yeah. So you YOLO down them steps? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know at the time. Obviously, YOLO came around much later into my life, so I was YOLOing without knowing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think we have been for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, YOLOing in the dark. Yeah. I mean, it's only just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it's disappeared though, and people aren't saying it anymore because it it just started to annoy me. And yeah, I'm at that age now. I think they say that usually by the time you're forty, you can kiss goodbye to the possibility of skydiving, bungee jumping, and any sort of high octane, risky stuff because there's something in your brain that suddenly says you're not doing that. Mm. You're gonna you're gonna die if you do that. So people tend not tend to stop at around forty volunteering to do these things for charity or for whatever other reason I heard that not so long ago I don't know how true it is but it does make sense it's sad in a way but you know you get to a point where you go I get up in the morning and I ache from the day before so is it going to be a great idea to take a, a really big risk and jump from a plane probably not unfortunately so I was going to introduce to you Tom a new little spot in the podcast and it's called um, Bring It Back Nostalgia of the 90s Bring It Back Nostalgia of the 90s Right And today's 90s subject is Techie Twizzlers Love them or hate them oh. Just give me a, a rundown of Techie Twizzlers what do you think? I'm not even sure they did come about in the 90s you know I think like similar things were there, like Turkey Dinosaurs, but then Turkey Twizzlers came around a bit later and they've become like a commonly spoke about thing, a pop reference, if you will. Ooh. But I don't know if they were there in the 90s. Oh, I'm this not is sure. a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Well, it could be. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm going to consult the database on when Turkey Twizzlers came about. Okay, that's fine. I always remember ah, fond memories of the turkey dinosaurs. They were a staple diet for me back in the 90s. But I don't remember a Twizzler being around. I don't know what a Twizzler even is. I'm a bit frightened of the Twizzler, if if I'm honest, really. don't like them. I'm trying to look for a Wikipedia page on turkey Twizzlers. Let's get to the bottom of it, because it's something that we desperately need to know. When did they come about? I think they're Jamie Oliver's worst enemy, aren't they? He hates them. He's often fought the turkey twizzler in the street. He'll do anything he can to put a stop to them. The turkey twizzler man arrives on uh, Jamie Oliver's premises, one of his many, many homes, at his front gate, throwing stuff at him, and Jamie attacks it back with some kind of cannon filled with gravy. <laughs> don't know. Don't know what goes on in his life, but he, he sure hates those taking Twizzlers. Well, I found a, an article. Right. Called Turkey Twizzlers, A Complete History. Oh, wow. And it's from iNews. Right. Legit source. Fine. A 2005 relic. There you go, you see. So, yeah. Came a bit later. Actually, it's not even a 90s thing. No, I'm afraid not. I think I heard something about it recently. And yeah, there were many turkey products around in Iceland in the 90s, but the Twizzler came after the party and said, I'm going to, you know, take take the, um, the stage as the main turkey product 
I am the Twizzler, but you know, whatever came before. He was mainly turkey dinosaurs. I don't really remember much else. Really. Bear ham. Bear ham goes in there as well, that's all the same category, somewhat. But uh, yeah, the, what was wrong with the turkey dinosaur? Why did the Twizzler come and attack it and take take the spotlight? Is what I want to know. And more meat. Or maybe less meat. Maybe it was more financially... It was a better business model, you think, because a turkey dinosaur was quite a big shape and you'd have to plough a lot of minced-up turkey into that dinosaur shape, whereas a Twizzler could be mostly breadcrumbs and just with a tiny slither of mashed-up turkey just in it. You think, we could actually make a lot more money out of the Twizzler than we could the dinosaur, you see. I see the science behind where you're going with it. Yeah, yeah. But so, um, maybe it was an advancement in complex shapes. Maybe. I mean, maybe. The, next, the next step on from stamping out dinosaur shapes into mm. mashed up turkey yep. and then breading it. I mean, they created essentially the... It's, it's like the a DNA structure, structure, isn't it? Of life. Yeah. yeah, out of turkey. How can we improve these kids' lives? What are they learning from these dinosaurs, dinosaur shapes anymore? What do we need to give them to inspire them? You know what? If we can make some kind of twist shape that maybe even might actually look like one of these kids to, to any of these kids, like the DNA structure, maybe it might inspire them to become scientists. Or what's more likely is that they thought the machine broke one day and we, they couldn't make dinosaur shapes anymore and it started producing something terrible that resembled a twist and mm. they said instead of trying to fix this dinosaur shape making machine let's just start making turkey twizzlers yeah so the machine basically started made that decision out it made turkey. that decision for the turkey, turkey dinosaur company mm. and they became the turkey twizzler company and that was beyond anyone's control but everyone in Iceland decided that they would accept the Turkey Twizzler for what it was in 2000 and what was it five six 2005 2005 yeah. so we moved on from it and people grew sick of the Turkey dinosaur anyway much like the dinosaurs in real life they became extinct and people evolved I must admit though I've only ever seen Turkey dinosaurs made by Bernard I believe Matthews. Bernard Matthews I mean, uh, yeah, it who, must take some real advanced machinery to uh, produce. Maybe so. Is it Bernard I've Matthews? I've never seen any other company do Turkey Dinosaurs, just no. Bernard Matthews. It probably is, yeah, you're right. Does it say on that page about Turkey Twizzlers who's responsible for producing them these days? Or who created them? Uh, the article mainly covers Jamie Oliver's oh, mission into yeah. schools and right. banning Turkey Twizzlers from school dinners yeah it was a hot topic for a long time I'll never forget that episode I think it was in the American schools trying to teach American kids of the hazards to eating unhealthily and he deconstructed a lot of chicken nuggets this might have been America it might have been Britain I can't remember and he was with all these kids just saying look at this look at this it's, it's just pink mush that goes into your chicken nuggets it's disgusting. Isn't everyone disgusted? And all the kids are like, yeah, 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 it's awful, it's awful. And then he said, right, so what do you want to eat then? And they all went, chicken nuggets, yeah! And, it, and the look on his face was that of utter 
utter <laughs> defeat. The absolute defeat. And you think, well, yeah, there's no winning Jamie, unfortunately. Everyone loves a chicken nugget, so suck a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great moment. It really was. So I'll, I'll do more research next time on what actually came from the 90s. Yeah, you got to be careful. It's, it's, it's difficult. When 90s nostalgia came about, I was worried that people were grasping at straws. But it's, 90s fashion has suddenly become quite a thing at the moment. Occasionally I'll walk down a high street and there'll be someone dressed in terrible, terrible, terrible fashion of the 90s. And I'll think... I know fashion does this thing where it comes back and forth and blah blah blah, but the nineties didn't produce anything good for fashion at all. You know, girls in pigtails with big flary jeans and fucking bangles on and those little fucking um what do you call them? Mini sort of half cut tops, you know, that with your belly out, you know, oh, those yeah. that sort of fashion. It, it never looked good at all, but maybe I'm just too old and the people wearing these things weren't even born in the 90s so it's fun for them whereas for me it's just a dramatic reminder of a time I'd love to forget through through my traumatic childhood years <laughs> really I hate the 90s I hate everything about it let's never talk about it again bring it back the stelter of the 90s you never have a motorised police bike no I didn't I wasn't that lucky I did. Have, I was. I was a shit spoiled child with a lot of things, but I didn't have a motorised police bike. If only. If only. So, in conclusion, even though it wasn't even from the nineties, would you resurrect the Take It Twizzler? I don't think it's gone away, has it? It probably is still there, despite what Jamie Oliver tried to do. I think it's still in in farm foods. If you go down there, it's probably something similar at least. Mm. I went in Iceland not so long ago. I was amazed in Iceland some of the stuff they got in there is fantastic um, you know Bassett Sweets they've yeah. changed a lot of those into ice lollies now and okay. it's re- I really recommend them I had a fruit salad ice lolly you know fruit salad you made those. by Iceland no Bassett uh, but, yeah. but sold in Iceland I think exclusively in, in Iceland and I was blown away licorice in an ice cream like blackjack you know blackjack sweets they've made them into ice creams now well, they're just as good I haven't tried that one yet, but I'm daring myself. I'm thinking, I think it's Twister sort of a thing, and you've got blackjack mixed with vanilla, so it might be fucking terrible an idea. It might go really badly wrong, but I'm I'm probably gonna dare myself to do it sometime soon, maybe. But fruit salad was very good anyway. You're walking around here calling yourself the man. You ain't ever been the man. You don't even know what it is like to be the man. Man, I've been the man since before you even knew what the man was. I invented the man. Man, do you think you're the man? Man, I invented the man before you invented the man. I I invented the letters that make up the man. The M, the A, and the N. I... I basically was the man, but I've lost track of what I was saying. But basically, I'm the man. You ain't the man. Have you come across a lot of people in your time that are well into fishing? No. I have. And it's I've been fishing before. I can see the appeal. But not to the extent that a lot of people I've worked with in the past do. It's become some kind of new religion where like, people go and um, they get fish tattoos. 
and there's there's a lot of pictures on on them on so with them on social media of the big catches you know they're, they're holding a big trout or whatever it is some big bass mm. and they're quite proud of themselves this huge hunk of fish that they've they've got and it, it freaks me out because it's like well fucking hell I'm not some kind of animal activist and I I, I, you know, I eat meat and everything but when it comes to fishing imagine being dragged underwater by a big fish and then being held by a big fish in front of a load of other fish taking photos while you're gasping for dear life drowning underwater and then you're thrown out of the water back onto land and all the other fish down there still in the water are all quite happy with themselves while you've been sort of robbed of your human right momentarily it's not something I, I often feel about animals but with fishing more and more over the years I think it's all a bit shit really like the gasping for air when they're dragged out of the water and there they are just been held by some grufty bloke with a hairy arm for a photo for a little while and then thrown back into the water can't be very nice for them really and the, obviously the fucking hooks go right through the face and disfigure them and fuck knows what else I don't know it's, it's all a bit weird but I think there's something probably sexual about it in a lot of men <laughs> I've thought about it before, and I, I think some of them probably do go and fish late at night, and some of them probably put, do put the dicks in the fish mouths. I think it's not far fetched, really. I'll put it out there. Whilst being on Viagra. Whilst on Viagra, yeah. <laughs> They've took a load of cheap, cheap uh, Viagra, and they're now they're out there with the solid erections on a boat, just before the sun goes down hoping to catch a fish with a mouth big enough to stick the forcibly erect penis in <laughs> and that's, that's all what it's been about for them it's just something sexual about it in there I'm sure there is I'm sure there is two big rods two big rods <clears throat> so watch out the fishing is uh, with the scouring of the face um it's hard to understand the fish community's uh, perspective on it. We've got our visualisation, which is basically pulling animals out of their habitat, cuddling them for a little bit, taking yeah. furs. Doing whatever that fishes do. And then just just chucking them away. Yeah. You know? Just, ah, I've had Scars. enough of you now. Yeah. Enough. But when that fish gets back in the water... And its fucking cheeks have been poked out by barbed hooks. Mm. I mean, are the other fish looking, going, mm, you know, this guy's seen the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you'd, as a fish, you don't normally go on land. No. And it's basically like almost like Elon Musk, like picking one of us up, quickly taking us to Mars, showing us it, and going, fucking sick, that in it. And then chucking us back on Earth again. How do we not know that that is what the fish feel? Maybe the fish... And it's yeah. worth yeah. those scars in the cheeks. Because when another fish comes along, it's like, well, you've seen a lot. Yeah. You know? But the whole time you couldn't breathe. If it was sick, it would be exactly the same if you took him to Mars. You wouldn't be able to breathe in that atmosphere with Elon sat there laughing at you. And, oh, don't you like it? Don't, aren't you happy to be here? I brought you to Mars to Mars I'm Elon Musk and we're stood on Mars you're not happy to be here no I can't breathe and the gravity is a bit different 
and there's no sunlight then there's no atmosphere on Mars I don't actually like it at all but because you're a smug rich man here I am I'm, I'd, I'd quite happily hold my breath for a little bit if you scooped me up, took me if, to if, Mars, let me have a look and put me back. But yeah, if what I'm, you're I'm struggling. saying, there's a sexual aspect to it. <laughs> and Elon so, Musk scooped me up, took me to Mars, stuck his dick in my mouth and then put me back on it. <laughs> then it'd kind of sour the experience. Yeah, it wouldn't be really my first choice about space exploration, really. I think there's better ways to go about it. And Elon Musk getting sexual fulfilment out of that is that's a bittersweet, really. Um, difficult, difficult one. That it maybe would. maybe it's only the fishermen that understand that the fish are actually well into know, it. Well, not well into it, but are experiencing some you know some of, of yeah. awe-inspiring. It's like wow, land, trees. You know, this is this yeah. is what it is above water. Yeah, and maybe. then the fisherman just goes, ah, "I'm just going to ruin it for you." Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. sour this experience. Maybe if enough fish traded the um, experiences that they had through any level of communication between the fish about how exciting it is to be taken out of the water and to see a different life on land could that lead to another evolution uh, you know because that's where it all began for us fish mm. finally developing the ability to go and live on land will it happen again through enough fishing probably not it's interesting you never know that one male fish that's been pulled out of the water continuously has some sort of genetic quirk which gives yeah. birth to yeah, it's, fish which it's, well, it's a lot of, used to being caught. Yeah, evolution is a small mutation in the genes, isn't it? So it's a freak incident at a cellular level. So you can't prompt these things necessarily but if some fish are more prone to being caught then that genetic unique that unique genetic disorder about them that the fact they're so stupid that they're used to being caught is an advantage and the more and more fish that are docile the more and more used to being outside of the water they become and yeah maybe they will eventually evolve maybe they evolve like armoured cheeks yeah. so in the end fishermen have to use even sharper and sharper yeah hooks yeah yeah the interesting one. It is. Banana!